Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We are recording this on Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. No big news today. A couple of people avoided arbitration. Biggest news comes from Canada, where the Blue Jays added Chad Green on a two-year, $8 million contract. Obviously, you're listening on Friday, so if you were up to date on Steph's checks on TikTok, you'd have known this by now. So, we're heading to third base today, where Max Muncy, contrary to popular belief, will not be making my honorable mentions. How are we doing today, boys? I'm doing good. I'm happy Max Muncy will not be talking about today because he is not on any of our lists or an honorable mention. Stevs, how are we doing? I'm excited. Uh, this list is very top heavy, and then past like six or seven, you can there's it's just like up in the air in all honesty. But I, I think my list came out pretty good. I'd like to think so for myself as well. Um, <laughs> uh, so kicking off with honorable mentions. I want to talk about a guy that I hope is not in your guys' top 10, but I'll appreciate it if he is, is Eduardo Escobar of the New York Mets. Um, So I have a little bit of history with this guy. My first, uh, that sounded wrong. My first MLB The Show game was MLB The Show 19. And I have a bit of bias because he was like a gold card and he was a conquest demon. Uh, This is also a side note within a side note. If you're younger and trying to get into the baseball, MLB The Show is a great way to learn players and to learn rosters it doesn't really like do a good job of telling you who's good and who's not. Cause like some of the best players are silver cards, but it's a good place yeah. to start. Um, he's been pretty consistent for the past five years, putting up 2.3 to 3.5 war. And he's consistently 10% above average honorable guy. Uh, that's fair. I definitely agree with your point that if you're trying to break into a sport and actually like learn about it, definitely like go through the video games. Like that's how I learned a lot about 2K or that's how I learned how I learned a lot about basketball is through 2K, which again, not the best source, but not bad at all. Um, I like that honorable mention. He's not one of mine just because I just don't like Eduardo Escobar. Um, probably not as much as you do. Um, but I wanted to talk about Alec Bohm. I think he deserves to get mentioned. He needs a lot of work defensively, um, but he is a very good hitter, and I think he has a lot of upside, especially now that he has guys like Trey Turner coming in. Yeah, that's a good one. I I picked a guy. I don't, I don't think anyone picked him. It's Cabrian Hayes. This is a guy I'm just keeping my eye on, especially this season. You go into his stats, you would have thought his average exit velocity is bad. His velocity is bad. He doesn't hit the ball hard. Um, obviously we know he has that glove in the field so he's valuable on one side of the field but he's never seen that offensive production and now going into his advanced statistics you can see that he has the stuff when you have a high exit velocity and high hard hit percentage and you're hitting the ball hard but you have a very low expected woba and a low barrel percentage you know that he's hitting it down to the ground a lot so this is a guy with a career well actually yeah career 52 percent uh, ground ball rate i think if he can start to it's it's a launch angle type thing i think if cabrian hayes can adjust his launch angle he will be a guy who can drive the ball into gaps or over the fence i I think this is a guy that has a lot of upside on the hitting side and that's something that's not really talked about because his glove is so good Uh, i like cabrian hayes and i will talk about him later yeah Uh, any other honorable mentions guys i want to talk about ryan mcmahon he's on the rockies which just sucks but um, I think they're gonna play 500 ball be, this year. They're gonna play 500 ball. That's true. Um, but I think he definitely needs to be talked about. He's a very good hitter, and he has the cores effect to help him. But I think if he can get on a contending team, he will definitely be able to help them out both both offensively and defensively. I can see that. I think he he's a guy that kind of does benefit from being in cores. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pull up his splits to see home versus away this year. Uh. 
home versus away. I don't think it was anything egregious. It was it's not egregious. like 827 OPS at home, 645 on the road. That's not that different. That's pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> all right. Any others? That's nah, all for me. I'm ready to hop into the list. Well, I think Stevs and I have a guy on our list. I don't know if this is Stevs number 10. He's my number 10 yeah. and Cabrian Hayes. Uh um, right there. With you, Hayes, it's it's a little bit of the Tommy Edmond argument that his defense is so, so good. Like this guy, uh, contrary again to popular belief, this is the best defensive third baseman in baseball. He has been it for the past two years, and his defense is so good that it puts him in the top 10. He had below average offense and put up three point or three F4. Uh, Tom kind of talked about how, like, why his bat isn't that good. Um, he, a breakout would occur if he hit line drives. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, his ex Woba stays below average because he doesn't launch the ball and he doesn't barrel the ball because he doesn't launch the ball. So if you haven't picked up what I'm putting down, start launching the ball. Brian Hayes will help you. Uh, I'm right there with you, Brad. I think. Uh, for me, it for me, I think it came down to Cabrian Hayes or Ryan McMahon to to for that number ten spot, and their hitting splits are pretty much identical. I think, yeah, McMahon edges him out just by a little bit, but eighteen outs above average is absolutely insane compared to the nine for McMahon, and I think he deserves a spot in the top ten. I'm interested to see who Tom's number ten is. Well, I had it between Cabrian Hayes and Alec Bohm. I know the advanced statistics Bohm. don't really like Alec Bohm, but he's a hitting machine. He just gets hits. Um, he has a good – his plate um, – his approach to the plate has gotten significantly better. He doesn't walk as much, but his, he's cut down on strikeouts. He hits the balls to all – he hits the ball to all parts of the field. Um, the glove is horrendous. Do not get me wrong. The glove is horrendous. But the bat – has been getting better every season and he's just one of the best contact hitting third baseman in the game. And I think the defense will get better this season. And a lot of reason why you guys are putting Cabrian Hayes high is obviously because of the glove, but it's because you guys want him to hit better, but he's really a below average hitter. And I think when we look at a guy like Alec Bohm, he is a very good hitter and he's a hitting machine. And he's been doing this since a low average fielder. Yeah. But Fred, it's the muted. same argument, Brad, you're muted. That's great. Oh, we're taking Cabrian Hayes at his value for fielding right now. Yeah, I just yeah. And you took you took Bohm for his value at hitting. Yeah. I feel like I feel I like if, if if one of the Phillies is going to have to step up other than Trey Turner, it's gonna to have to be Alec Bohm. And he did in the postseason last year. He's he's a good bat. And I, I I'm I'm high on him. I've I've watched him since he came up out of the minors. What about uh um, JT Real Muto, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Reese Hoskins, Brandon not to Marsh, mention the pitchers. Bryson Stott? Those guys seem to all go dormant last year in the postseason except for Bohm and uh, Harper Schwarber. and Hoskins. Schwarber. Hoskins Tom, Tom, played one good Tom, series. Tom, you're 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 bad. You're just bad. You, that, Bohm he's, is not the number. Bohm is not the number two guy to step up on that Phillies team. I'm sorry, he's just not. On the offensive production side of things, well, obviously you got Schwarber and Harper and Turner, but and Real Muto. Real Muto is not I'm forgetting about the the best catcher in baseball. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Offensive production. Um, you know, let's just. I, I'm just going. I like Bohm. I. It was between I like Bohm and Cabrian. I'm not. Hayes. I'm, I mean, I'm not Bohm. upset with it. I'm not upset with it. For me, the two honorable mentions in Cabrian Hayes were were Brad within were within striking distance. All three of them could have been ten. It's just, especially at third base in the hot corner, you need a good defensive player. Honestly, the other guy I even contemplated for my honorable mention was Jose Miranda of the Twins. He ended up not being honorable. I knew it. 
he, he was, was not honorable. honorable. He was not honorable. He was yeah, not no. fact honorable. Tom, who's yeah. your number nine? Um, I had Gino, Gino Suarez, Eugenio Suarez, really a bounce back year from him. Uh, you see the power going back into his bat. Obviously the glove is right around league average. Um, but we saw a couple down, we saw, I think it was one or two down seasons from him and he seems to be back to his old form. He's hitting nukes, um, slugging at a high rate, still a pull hitter. Um, I think he might benefit from this shift ban. Um, he walks an awful lot. He does strike out a lot. That's his approach to the plate though. When you have a power hitter like that, you are going to strike out a lot more. I'm excited to see how he can continue, though. He really seemed to have hit a stride in in um in Washington, Seattle. Sorry, uh, I'm I'm right there with you, Tom. I had him there. They moved him and let him play third base. Uh, the entirety of last season, Seattle let him play third base, and he was back to being a average fielder opposed to a below average fielder, and he can hit the crap out of the ball. So that's really all you need to make this top ten. He had a negative nine run value or outs of average as a shortstop last year. Yeah. When, Again, since, they beat out yeah. the third. That's yeah, my I, point. If you haven't picked it up, I also have him at nine. This is like a collective, oh my God, it wasn't like our number one that we all agreed with. Like, this might be the first time. I'm proud of you guys. I think it um, go. I'm proud of us. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, I said he kind of fell off the face of the earth and then he returned. He's back on earth. Um, sure. Is the second highest career bail rate, and Tom points out he strikes out a lot, but he also walks a ton. And he doesn't really chase, like he doesn't chase outside of the zone. And when he was doing his damage, he was handling pitches in the heart of the plate, and he started doing that again this year, and he was better this year. So, shocker there. At number eight, I had Matt Chapman, another great defensive glove who took a step back and was in the 72nd percentile bounce up of average. Like, again, give me guys who step backs the 72nd percentile. Uh, in terms of percentiles, 2022 was his best season on record, but it kind of points out the flaws in those types of stats and predicting a player's stat line. Like it was his second worst season in terms of OPS. Uh, when he was at his best, he was hitting fastballs really well, something he hasn't done in the last three years. And his chase rate is ridiculous, but his swing profile shows that he lot he whiffs a lot at pitches in the middle of the zone. Yeah, and this stack cast page kind of confuses me because you got a guy with all red across the board, obviously low expected batting average and a high K rate, um, but he walks, he hits the ball hard, has a high expected low, but has a high barrel percentage. This is a guy that you would expect to have a, a monster season at the plate, but it really wasn't crazy. It was nothing crazy, and that that glove did fall off a little bit. I think a couple seasons ago, maybe last season, you could say he's a little bit higher, but I think I'm right there with you, Brad. I got I got Matt Chapman at eight. Stevens? You want to make it two in a row? Matt Chapman is... Let's go! I mean, again, you said it all. Um, For me, kind of, we just talked about it with shortstops. Um, But it's just the sample size that I have with him in Toronto is he's a slightly above average fielder and I'm not in an okay hitter, right? So Mm -hmm. I I, want to see him take that step forward before I put him any higher than eight. Yeah, and I was like trying to diagnose like why he's kind of sucking as a hitter right now, even though the percentiles may say otherwise. Uh, he's like very much launch the ball type hitter, uh, but he has well above average speed. He runs twenty eight point four feet per second, and he's a guy that might actually benefit from launching the ball less. His two best seasons, he had a launch angle of fourteen point nine and sixteen point six degrees. And this season, he had a nineteen degree launch angle. So maybe if he starts like hitting it on a line a little bit more. He's a guy that could see positive regression. Yeah, and I think I, I, I think there's agree. yeah, I think there's room to improve for him. I think when he was when he before he got before he signed the deal with um 
the Blue Jays, he was a better player, and I think he's bound to return to that soon. So number seven, are we gonna are we I, gonna hit it again? I think we're gonna hit it again because there's only one option here. It's Yandy Diaz, right? It's Yandy, but yeah, it's, it's Yandy. Yandy. Yeah, I mean, did we do this it? Guy, we did yeah. it. I, we did I'm, it. I'm, I'm yeah. That's three. Let's That's go! three in a row. I don't understand. You look at a guy like Yandy, Yandy, ah, Yandy Diaz. And you, you, you look at his, his step stats, and they're like, yeah, he's a good contact hitter. And then you look at his percentile, like, oh, my God. It's like 93rd average exit velocity, 95th percentile max exit velocity, high expected Woba, high batting average, high – no no strike. He strikes out. Does, God, he doesn't strike out, walks a ton, <laughs> doesn't, swing out, doesn't swing out pitches outside the zone. I'm just at – I'm in awe right here. This is another guy that I think – Similar to Cabrian Hayes would benefit from launching the ball more. I looked at his um his ground ball rate was just hovering around fifty percent, but for his career he's at fifty two. I think this is a guy who would greatly benefit from um launching the ball a little bit more because you see the exit velocities, you see the power in his bat, but that translates to nine home runs. And in his six career six career seasons, he has thirty nine home runs. Does that ever start to translate for Yandy Diaz? Um, uh, maybe. I mean, he's in Tampa Bay, but why fix it if it ain't broken? Uh, yeah, I just I, when you see those tools, the exit velocity, the hard hit percentage, the barrel actually the barrel rate's extremely low. Is that because of that launch angle? You see most yeah. of his hits so are infield a hits. Barrel is you have to launch it between I think it's ten and twenty five degrees. I, I think I think this is a guy. I mean, you look at those stats. You look at you, I mean, you can compare those hitting stats to like some of the best in the game. And obviously his production is great to the team right now, but this is someone that looks like they could be like, if you, if I just showed you these percentiles, you would assume that they had 30 home runs and that they were like a, a 950 OPS. But I mean, it's still a great player. Uh, the glove is absolutely horrendous. The field, you, you don't, you don't pick Yandy Diaz for the fielding, but um, I, I, I would just expect some positive regression next season. Do you, do you expect him to make another leap next season? A hundred percent. Um, him and a guy we will talk about in a little bit are the only third baseman with a higher walk rate than strikeout rate or qualified third baseman. Um, and of qualified hitters in 2022, Yandy Diaz ranked fifth in on base percentage behind MVP Paul Goldschmidt, uh, best peer hitter in baseball, Jordan Alvarez, best first baseman, Freddie Freeman, and MVP Aaron Judge. I think that's a pretty good group to be in. That's pretty good. I just don't know where uh, it came from. I mean, this is a guy coming off of um coming from the what was it the Guardians? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean he's been on the race for a little, and no one seemed to know his name until really last season and this season really came onto the scene. And I mean he's just getting better every year. I'm pretty high on this guy. I don't know how many more jumps he can make just because the six guys ahead of him are are crazy. I mean these are all like superstar category now. Um, but I do like Yandy going into the season. I agree. I mean, I think Tom pretty much hit everything. It's just his glove is so atrociously bad that you cannot have him any higher than than this. All right. What are the odds we can hit four in a row? Not high. Decently high? No. No, it's impossible. Tom, Brad, you where go. we at? No, Brad, I got the last one. You go with this one. I'll, I'm I have Alex where... Bregman at number six. Stez? I have Austin Riley. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, that's horrendous. Okay. Um, It pains me to do this. It really does. Because I love this guy, but I put Rafael Devers at six. Um, do you want to do a quick run through for your for your reasons? I'll, I'll go through well, my reasons. Well, I have Austin Riley at five and Rafael Devers at four, so I think we're gonna hit the 
Hit them all. I, we're, I think we're going to have all three of these guys right here. It's just a matter of the order. Stubbs, do you have Devers at five? I, I have I have Devers at five and Bregman at four. Okay. I'm going to start with Bregman. Uh, he kind of returned to form in 2022 after not really showing much of anything the past two seasons. An 820 OPS might not jump off the page, but all the peripheral support that he was even better. Uh, he ranked the 94th percentile for outs above average, recording eight outs above average itself. And he's never been a hard hit threat. He always puts the ball in play, and his Woba performs very similar to x Woba, so you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. Um, an issue he'd had over the past two seasons is that the fact he wasn't hitting forcing fastballs. In 2019, he had a plus 21 run value. In 20 and 21, he had a negative four. And this year, he was back to a positive 12. So I think when he's hitting the fastballs, he's an elite third baseman. Yeah, and that's, that's not to mention that's, that's not to mention he's got such a veteran approach to the plate. He doesn't strike out. He has a high walk rate. Doesn't swing at pitches outside the zone. Doesn't swing and miss often at all. Not crazy fast, but you're getting a good glove in the field. This is a guy that another one of the Houston Astros scandal players that has proven that they don't really need it. I mean, for someone that that relied on trash cans to to know what pitch was coming, he's fairly good at knowing what pitch is coming again. So, um, I had him at five. Um, but let me talk about Rafael Devers really quick. This pained me to do because um, you got a guy like Rafael Devers. And I think Rafael Devers and um, Austin Riley are built similar in some instances, how they have both insane bats and they lack glove. They lack a, a fielding aspect. And Rafael Devers is just slightly worse, I, in my opinion. Rafael Devers, let me – you can go through splits. I, I, he's, he started the steps. I'm Shut up. Keep going. Keep going. I literally said talk. Okay. Um, so Rafael Devers in the month of May hit 381, had an OPS at well, 1133, and he was just so good. Um, and then August came around, he dealt with some injuries, and that obviously lowered his statistics a lot, like pretty significantly, actually. I think if he didn't have that month of August, you're looking at one of the best in the game. But that month of August really kind of dragged everything down with it i like rafael devers but his glove is not that good um and austin riley is in the top like one percentile in nearly every hitting stat so it's like it's it, top uh, top three maybe brad do you want do you want to talk about um i want to let steps hop on austin riley real quick steps hop on austin um so for me right i i use the step metrics of I, I like average. I like OPS. And, and again, Tom said it, Austin, Austin Riley and Raphael Devers are, are two very, very similar players. Devers had a 295 average to Riley's 273, and then an OPS of 879 to 870. So, right, they're, like, right there with each other. They're not too far off, and I can 100% understand why Tom would put Riley above Devers. But you talk about how you say there's that you think Riley is slightly better than Devers. The difference for me is Devers hits 295 with a negative two outs, I guess, below average, and Riley hits 273 to a negative six. I for me, so I can't put I can't put Riley above Devers for that. Uh, with that the, logic, why is Bregman yeah. uh, below or why is Bregman above Riley? Because Bregman has good outs above average. He had two fifty nine. Yeah, but he has eight outs above average. But Steph's they, they had the same war. That doesn't matter. War balances it out. I, yes. 
Also, but, you're, again, ignoring, you're ignoring the home run totals, which, by the way, are fairly significant, being 38 he, to 27. Okay. I've always been low on Riley compared to you. You've loved Riley since he got onto the scene. Um, But if we want to talk about, like, significant months, we obviously have Devers' month of May. But then in the month of June, Austin Riley came out – or, sorry, the month of July, Austin Riley came out with a 1344 OPS, 423 batting average, 11 home runs in one month. 15 doubles, 44 hits in one month. That is one of the craziest months I've ever seen. Whenever I turn the TV on, which I did a lot to watch this guy during the months because he was the hottest hitter in baseball, he was hitting the ball like missiles, and it was like the perfect launch angle every at-bat, and it was just beautiful to see. I watched it in person, too, when when Atlanta came to visit the Nats. Um, This is his ceiling, obviously, but I think that um, Austin Riley has a slightly higher ceiling on the hitting side of things than Devers. That's why um, I can't argue with that. I'm going to enter my Devers versus Riley argument. because yeah. I have them at five and four. And that's what it was. It was an argument of who's better between the two of them. Um, They were neck and neck. Austin Riley emerged in 2021 as a premier bat at the third base position. The issue is that he's pretty much all bat with a lot of strikeout and an average walk. Uh, He destroys curveballs and sliders. Like he is the father of them. Uh, Devers is... The reason he's a little bit above is because, in all honesty, he's done it for more seasons. She's more reliable over time. And their top, their top two lines and percentiles are pretty much identical. Riley has a bit more speed. Devers strikes out less. And in 2021, his ex will put him in the top percent, top 6% of the league. Well, this year he posted a 361, putting him in the top 8% of the league. And he hits the ball slightly harder on average with a more diverse run value. You're talking about um Devers. Uh hold on, let me let me just Devers yeah. run value is a bit more diverse than Austin Riley's. So y- you have Riley Devers? Uh Riley at five, Devers at four. Okay. I, I can understand why Bregman's at three for you. I this is a Bregman's guy at six. A... Oh wait, 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 who, wait, no, sorry, yeah. Bregman's at... I can I can see why Bregman Bregman's at six because it, it's hard to weigh in Bregman's more more completeness, but still like it's hard to it's hard to compare a two dimensional player to a one dimensional player because you got Devers and and Riley who are both very similar players and then you got um, Alex Bregman who's who's more two dimensional he's got he's got he's got everything now um, so it's hard to kind of rank what you think what, what you kind of have to put your value on something like Bregman's batting stats aren't going to blow you away his feeling stats are good but his approach to the plate makes him almost the, the same amount of eliteness in my opinion, which is why I kind of put him in. I put Bregman at, I think it was five between Riley and Devers. I had Devers at six, Bregman at five and Riley at four. Stavs. Yeah. I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of these players. For me, I had Devers at five just because I, I like what he brings to the table. He hits the ball. Well, he has a below average glove, but a better below average glove than Austin Riley. Very good in a lot of statistics, a lot of a lot of red on his percentiles page. So I I don't think you can go wrong with any of these three three guys between four to six. So um, I'm just planning ahead, right? We're gonna have to rank these guys, and they each have a four, they each have a five, and they each have a six. We will get to that when we get to that. <laughs> okay. Um, any other notes on these three guys for you guys? 
No, I think I've pretty much covered everything. I think Bregman took a major step forward last season from his previous seasons, which is why I had him above these two. And again, you Tom talked about it. He's more of a two-dimensional player compared to these guys one-dimensional just hitting. So for that, I put him above these two. All right, who's bringing right. us into number three? Uh, we should be I, on the same I, page. Yeah, we should be on the same we page. We should, three, but number three, Jose Ramirez. Okay, good. Okay, good. Thank God. Yeah. Okay. I, I should have said it. <laughs> um, Jose Ramirez is a fantastic baseball player, but 2022 is probably his worst season since either 2019 or 16. Uh, that said, it was still ridiculously good. Uh, low strikeout weight rate, high walk rate, runs the bases ridiculously well. The glove is solid, but the arm is poor. He's going to benefit from the disappearance of the shift because he's someone that, like, from year to year, it's weird. He varies which side he's better at, like, hitting-wise. In 2022, I'm pulling this up, sorry. Um, as a right-handed hitter with no shift, he was a 330 Woba with a 240 with the shift. As a lefty, he had a 428 Woba with no shift and a 380 with the shift. So there's going to be some regression there. We're going to talk about a guy who should probably drop on side of hitting. But from year to year, it's not consistent which side he hits well at. So there's the argument against that. And he's just not above the other two. Yeah, I mean, 100 percent true. I mean, the other two were in the MVP conversation last year, so I don't think you could have J Ram above them, at least in the NL. Um, But again, he's a complete player. Uh, He's top three switch hitter, great defense. I mean, what more do you want from a top three player at his position? I think what we're leaving out is a speed threat. He, I mean, even in his age 30 season, he's still stealing 20 bases. I think that's something that might go up next season. Um, his speed is something that really hasn't gone away. Um, I think the the duel of power and speed and now on base percentage is something that makes him one of the best. Yeah, I like Jose Ramirez. I had him on my fantasy team last year, and he did a lot of damage. He's a nice pick right there. Uh, <laughs> hopping into number two. And number one, really, it's more of a 1A, 1B type situation. In all honesty, these two third basemen are both fantastic. Um, my number two has been a fantastic fielder, and he's shown it year in and year out. And it's Nolan Arenado at number two. I agree with that. I had Nolan at two. Stevs, do you want Stevs? I, I think as of right now, heading into the season, Nolan is one. By season's end, I believe Manny Machado will be the better player. How's he I not think Manny right Machado's now? Because he's not. Uh, no. Um, I mean, so you look at their stats. They're 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 basic. I'm not gonna say they're the same player. They're basically they're on the same tier. Um, 14 outs above average for Nolan Arenado to nine outs above average for Manny Machado. The percentiles for Machado are better. Red, I literally put on my uh, note sheet, red, lots of red. Um, but it's it's hard to argue against Nolan Arenado. Um, he, again, I again, it's 1A, 1B. And heading into the season, I'm going to take Nolan Arenado on a on the Cardinals opposed to Manny Machado on the Padres just heading into the season. Cause I don't think the Padres are honestly going to perform as well, but I think Manny Machado is going to shine on a team of stars. Who should you say had more red? Manny. And so you're taking Arenado over him. Yes. And for percentiles, again, I don't weigh percentiles as much as you guys do. I said that. All right. Tom, so, do you want to take it off or do you want yeah, me to I'm take not, it off? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not saying I'm I'm I disagree with you guys. I'm just saying heading into the season, I would take narrow. I would rather have Nolan Arado on my team over Manny Machado. So I mean, obviously, I I think they're one A one B, but this is coming off of last season. Even like the the like the the front stats, uh, Machado finished an MVP above him. He had a higher OPS plus, um, more home runs. I think he hits the ball harder, and I think obviously I don't think you can you can weigh in value to your team as much especially considering that the Cardinals had MVP and then Nolan Arenado. Um, but I think Machado was more valuable to the Padres than Aaron. Sorry. What did I say? I thought, I think Machado was more about, yeah, more, he's more valuable to the Padres than Arenado is to the Cardinals. And I don't think you can weigh that in, but when you look at all the stats that I think make a good player, like OPS plus Woba, I think Machado wins nearly everything. Um, and I think, when you're looking at Arenado, he's a lot more streaky compared to uh, Machado. And, I mean, that's something that stats don't really show. But he is on or he is off. And I'm not sure how he's going to start the next season. But if he finishes it like he – if he starts like he finished this season, he'll be okay. Yeah. Um, Nolan Arenado had his best season uh, in terms of F4. It was 7.3. He had his highest career WRC plus at 151. I was surprised to see a low strikeout rate. When I think Arenado, I don't think low strikeout rate. In all honesty, uh, he struggled a lot in 2020 and 2021, and that's kind of weighing into my decision for him to be at number two. It's also like Manny Machado is in a walk year. Like, I think that has a big, big impact on it. And it just feels like he's always half a step ahead of Arenado. His consistency is fantastic. His XWO was consistently higher, paired with a higher hard hit rate. It's, it's crazy to say, but the defense is almost a wash. They're both incredible defenders. And in terms of WRC+, Machado's been consistently a tick above Arenado since 2015. Yeah, and Machado was a guy that I thought had been regressing every year until you look at the under-the-hood stats where he has been completely red his whole career. Other than 2019, which was just more of a pink color, that doesn't really matter. It's still red. So Machado's elite in all those categories. And what I didn't realize is that I, I, what I didn't factor in here is that Arenado doesn't strike out. That that is kind of crazy to me. I didn't know about that. I thought he was a high strikeout guy. Um, that is kind of surprising. I don't think it's going to change my opinion on it, but that's still impressive to me. And you brought up the point: the Cardinals could they wouldn't be as good, but they had someone other than Arenado. Machado was the Padres. That is true. Teams. Without 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 Machado, the Padres. I don't even know if they would have made the playoffs. I, mean, I don't think they barely made it as it is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, obviously I mean, next season rule goes down. Again, I I agree that it's one A one B, and by season's end, I think I honestly think Manny Machado will probably he's gonna be top three again, in assuming no injuries in the MVP race. So I think Machado could and will take over Nolan Arenado. Well, our list is very good from ten to seven and three to one. We have a bit of a conundrum in the middle. <laughs> so enter Alex Bregman, Austin Riley, and Raphael Devers. Uh so, <laughs> so so who who had Bregman at four? Was that you, Brad? No, that was no. Stevs. So Stevs had Bregman at four. Brad, you had Devers at four. I had and Devers I had at four. And I had Riley at four. Ah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> We might have to have a debate here because, like, I'm uh, I'm just going to, like, explain to me why Austin Riley is worse than Raphael Devers. And I'll do this again. Yeah. Um, do, no, 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 no. Because, like, I think Austin Riley, 
I think the difference between Austin Riley and Devers bat is equivalent to the the difference in their fielding. So it almost makes but them even. Not. Devers has been consistently better for a longer period of time. Therefore, he is more reliable. And he's they're pretty similar in age, right? You also always mention that. You're like, but 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 look at the statistics from seasons prior. Stubbs, you like looking at like the last week and you judge the player off that. But um, I I, I, I judge based off of last year more. You, you, I, you I love Rafael Devers. Give me a jersey. Rafael Devers a four baby. Yes, sir. Because it was it was yeah, literally I'm okay with that. It, no matter what I was gonna order, Alex Bregman was gonna end up at five. I felt like that was just a spot for him. It was just a matter of Austin Riley and Devers switching, but it was switching over two positions instead of one. So now Riley goes to five and Bregman goes to six. I. I think so. Is that how it averages out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm okay with that too. It's just my thing is Bregman's a two dimensional player compared to these guys being a one dimensional player. Their bats are better. Yeah. Which is true. I can't argue with that. Yeah. And honestly, if we're talking about like importance to a team, Devers is the Red Sox this year. Also. And true. Riley is a big bat in the Braves lineup. Like, there's no like if Acuna doesn't rebound a ton, Riley's the thump. Yeah, like the consistent thump. Matt Olson has the thump, but there's a lot more or a lot less like single stuff like that in there for Matt Olson than there would be Austin Riley, who, as Tom pointed out, when he's hot, is hitting the ball all over the yard on a line. I love yeah. Austin Riley, but I also love Rafael Devers. I don't know these these these. I think the top six are all in that superstar category or approaching superstar category. Yeah, I think Bregman, if he hadn't had that fall off after 19, would be there. Honestly, Absolutely. if Bregman didn't have that fall-off, I think he's in the one-two conversation. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think we forget about his 2019 season. He had like 42 home runs or something. Amazing glove. The um, Astros were crazy in 2019. I might I think I think I saw the post, the best team ever constructed, or like best team ever put on the field. Yeah. And guess who beat them? Uh, the Nationals. How's that going for them right That's now? It's the only thing I have to hold on to. You're starting to sound like whole... Tom. Okay, yes, but it's not as bad. It was literally four years ago. It feels it's, like a decade, gonna, but it was gonna, four years it's ago. Gonna, it's going to be a decade until you win again, so you're going to be holding on to it just like me. Welcome to the club, Stavs. Yep. I won't be holding on to it. Yep. After after five years, I will give up on that, unless you bring up the 2019 Houston Astros or the 2019 season. Go Giants. The 2019 season was my favorite of all time, I think, but that's a conversation it, for it another day. It was a great day. season. So... Some of these third basemen are going to be competing for World Series this year. Some of them, like our number 10, Cabrian Hayes, will not. <laughs> Eugenio Suarez coming in at number nine. Mariners looking for a World Series run. It's their window. Same with number eight, Matt Chapman and his Blue Jays and the Rays. Yandy Diaz at number seven and Alex Bregman at number six. Austin Riley at number five competing for it. Devers at four, not competing for it. Jose Ramirez and his Guardians at three competing for it. Arenado and his Cardinals competing for it at number two. And number one, Manuel Machado of the San Diego Padres. Anything to say to y'all? I guess it says a lot. I guess, I mean, I don't know if you build a team around a third baseman, but I guess every good team seems to have a good third baseman. So, yeah. I mean, you need a staple in the hot corner. And I think each of these guys are. Yeah, I agree. I think. I just it's also like these are thump bats most of these guys at least and i feel like yeah, good teams all, have yeah. bats like that 
Yeah, these are all offensive difference makers. Even even the and, weak ones are and still Brian Hayes. And Brian Hayes, who will be a difference maker if he makes the adjustment. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We'll be back next week, going back to our regular schedule of Tuesday and Friday with releases. Thank you for listening. If you want to interact with us at all, head over to Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. All socials will be linked in the description below. If you've enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or a review, or if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. We'll see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace.